I visited a friend of mine, a friend, an old friend that I've not seen in years. I found him on Facebook. Out of curiosity, I started scrolling through his page and he had a lot of videos, really cool videos. And there are a few videos that captured my attention. This, this first one was a video of a, a young man who was chasing a small bear. The reason he was chasing this small bear is because this bear had this big, thick plastic jug stuck on his head. So the bear was just running crazy and this young man was running after him and, and before you know it, he caught him, he caught up to him and, and I saw the video and the, the young man was trying to yank the big barrel, this big black barrel off of his head and to no avail, to no avail, the bear was freaking out and he got loose again and so he started running into these bushes. The next scene I saw was two other young men came and assisted the other guy. They caught the bear into this big muddy patch of, of, of grass and mud. And, and all three of them went to work to try to take this jug off of the bear. Because if the jug didn't get off of the baby bear, of course, you know, that the bear would starve to death. So they went and they got a saw and they're sawing it and they're using these sharp pliers and they're trying to cut, you know, from the edge down and they're, they're putting their hands and they're trying to rip it over and, and, and the bear is, 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 is scared and so another guy's holding them down there and they're sawing. For 35 minutes, these guys struggled in the mud trying to rip open this big jug, thick jug, as they're cutting and sawing and ripping, cutting, sawing, and ripping long, long time. Finally, after all that work, they pulled the thing up, the bear jumped up, and he ran off into the forest. And they all started high-fiving. He's like, yeah. And, I, and I'm watching. I'm like, yay, you know. And then I scrolled to the next scene and uh, the next video. And then there was a video of this little, about a 20-pound dog must have fallen into this river. And they got stuck or found this safe place along the wall of this river, that this bridge. And the water was cold and this dog couldn't get out. It was so sad. He was, he was holding on to this rock and the edge of the bridge. And all of a sudden, this guy saw this puppy. He found this, this, this boat or this little, you know, kind of like this windsurfing kind of thing. And he got on it and he made his way all the way to the puppy. There are people on the bridge watching. And then this puppy saw him and he started getting excited. And he tried to get to the guy on, on the little windsurfer. The guy reached out both of his hands, brought the puppy onto the boat. Yay! The boat, I mean the baby, the, the, the puppy was saved. And I was like, yes, this is so beautiful. I felt so much love inside my heart. I was like, oh, thank God for these people. I scrolled to the next story. And all of a sudden, I saw a big thick net. And there was a dolphin caught in this net. And the dolphin was just going crazy. So this guy on this other boat, and on this boat, uh, made his way to the net where the dolphin was. And these big scissors, he's cutting the net just as, as fast as he could. And long before you know it, boom, the dolphin was set free. And the dolphin made its way into the sea. And I was like, yay. Had it not been for these people. 
to exercise more energy and get resources to get to these animals, these animals would have died. These animals had no idea who these people were, who these people were. And after they set free, they could care less. They just know the animals are set free now. They can go about their business and live. Thought went through my mind as I was watching this. How many of us who are sitting here and watching online, you are stuck. You are dying. You were caught in nets. Drowning, you were stuck maybe in a black tar pit and you couldn't get out. You were under an avalanche, a heavy avalanche of sin. You're screaming for help and no one heard you until one day, one day. Everyone say one day. Come on, write that down. One day. You've got a one day. One day. Somebody was sent by God and told you a story that cut you out of that barrel that was surrounding your head, that cut the net, that pulled you onto the boat that saved your life. You had someone help you. Today I want to talk to you about the uncommon prayer that leads us to the uncommon sacrifice. The uncommon prayer that leads us to the uncommon sacrifice. Are you ready? I want to really implore, if I may use that big fancy college word, I want to implore you, next to near beg you, take notes. Don't let this message flippantly be another message because it's not. An uncommon prayer that leads to an uncommon sacrifice. That should be the title of this message. You see, uncommon prayers, uncommon prayers seek to do the will of the Father not the will of self. Uncommon prayers have nothing to do with us. To be honest, uncommon prayers come from a place of abandonment. Abandonment to God. A true, blue, legitimate, honest, uncommon prayer leads to an abandonment to God. God, I abandon myself to you. It's that kind of prayer that we want to learn. We're going to learn today about a, an uncommon man from the Old Testament whose name is Isaiah. I want you to turn to the beautiful book of Isaiah. Come on, blow the dust off of it. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. I want you to turn to your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 6. When you get to Isaiah chapter 6, make your way down to verse 9. 
Isaiah is known as the book of theology of the Old Testament. It's one of those long books. It's very deep. It's very profound. Isaiah was one of the most magnificent prophets. And there were many, but he was one of the top, the top dogs. The man who walked with God, heard from God, a prophet from God. He spoke for God to the people of Israel and Judah. He says this in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. I'm, actually, I'm sorry, start from verse 1. We're going to start from verse 1, then we'll work our way down. Our key scripture is going to be 9, but I'm sorry, we're going to start from verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 9. It was in the year King Uzziah died. Who died? It was that year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Woo. I saw the Lord, he says. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple, the Bible says. Verse 2. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Each. Now don't miss the details here. Because he's going to get detailed. Each seraphim having six wings. How many wings? Man, I'd love for some kind of Hollywood director to use some CG. I mean, I would love to see that, man. That'd be cool. Six wings with two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Imagine that. Mighty seraphims. Six wings covered, covered, flying. Now what were these seraphim doing? Verse 3. They were calling out to each other. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how many there were. So there had to have been a whole lot. I mean a lot. I want to guesstimate thousands. Because God always does things opulently. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Listen to me, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. And another translation is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Listen, verse 4. Their voices, man, their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Can you see that? Verse 5. Then I, Isaiah, I said... It's all over! Exclamation point. Look, it's right there. It's all over! I am doomed! For I, listen to me, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Wow. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then, verse 8, then I heard the Lord asking, Don't miss this. I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm redeemed, I'm healed, I'm set free from my guilt, shame. Then I heard. Then, that word then is critical. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? That's the word Elohim. Who will go for us? I said, I said, Isaiah said, I said, here I am. (laughs) Here I am, send me. That's the uncommon prayer. Here I am. Send me. And he said, yes. I can just see him going, yes. (laughs) Yes. Go. Go and say, if you can, underline those words. Yes. Go and say. Go and say. Go and say to this people. I want to stop there. This fasting season has been a time for us to walk forward while looking upward. That's what I felt. This fasting season has been a season, a time of making a decision of walking forward while looking upward. You know, there's seven days left to this time, this season. An opportunity has been given to us to pursue, to pursue God. To pursue the face of God in order to help us to prepare for the next season of our lives. The next season of our ministry. Has nothing to do with 2020, 2021, 2022. That's not the numbers. Has nothing to do with the numbers or the year. Has everything to do with the season. God moves in seasons. So the first lesson, the first point out of this passage of Isaiah, in light of uncommon prayers that lead to uncommon sacrifices, see when we pray. Do you know what Christians do? They pray. What did I just say? Uh Uh-huh. What Christians do, as as humans breathe, Christians pray. That's good. That's tweetable. (laughs) As humans breathe, Christians pray. When we pray, something happens. The first thing that happens is we can see who we are praying to. We talked about this in detail in our first week in this series. We pray up. We pray up. That's what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah, see what happened was King Uzziah was a good king. He revolutionized uh, Judah. I mean, this guy, Israel had a whole bunch of crazy, crazy, crazy kings. 
Here comes Uzziah, man. He loves the Lord. He transforms the community. He brings a lot of prosperity into Judah until one day, everyone say one day. Oh, man, King Uzziah just messed up. You're going to have to read the story about him. Brother just messed up. God inflicted him with leprosy. He finished bad. He finished with shame, lonely, and a lot of pain. King Uzziah died. It was in that year that Isaiah, commentators believe, ran to the temple, the place of worship. And this is where he saw God. It was in the year King Uzziah died. He said, I saw the Lord. You see, when trouble comes, the first response of a born-again believer is to what? Pray. Go to the house of God and pray. When hardship comes, we are to go to the house of God and pray. When trouble comes, when struggles come, when depression comes, when stress comes, when pain comes, when the bad things come, you know what we're supposed to do? Go to God and pray. <laughs> when we get in trouble, <laughs> pray. Pray until something happens. Man, Isaiah went and he pursued God. The Bible says at that moment, I saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, we are so honored by God. God gave us a teeny tiny itty bitty glimpse of what he looks like. He says, I saw the Lord and he, God, was sitting on not just a throne, but a lofty throne. Lofty means opulent, big, huge, beautiful. God Almighty was sitting on a lofty throne. And the train of his robe, the word train has to deal with the idea of his glory, his splendor, his power, his majesty. It just filled, filled the temple. The train of his robe filled the house of worship. You see, while Isaiah was struggling with what was happening to Israel. See, here's the thing. Israel was wealthy. Israel or Judah had it going on. See, King Uzziah brought the quality of living up for all of Judah and Israel. Everything seemed to be going well. However, here's a problem. Even though they looked good on the outside, there was sin on the inside. They looked wealthy on the outside, but on the inside, they were messed up. They had, all the, the for, they had all the formalities of religion, but there was no worship on the inside. On the outside, they looked like they were prospering, but on the inside, they were dying. And Isaiah knew that. He thought everything was going crazy, but yet when God opened up his eyes, God reminded him, yo, things are bad down there, but up here, psh, it's all good. Why? I'm still on the throne. I'm sitting still. I'm in power. I'm in majesty. Nothing has changed with me. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to me. You're outside. Everything outside may be going bad, but listen, don't panic. Don't panic. 
God is still on the throne. What does that mean? He's still in charge. He's still in control. Come on, give me a few amens. What does that mean for us? It means that even though we may have trouble, don't fret, look up. He's still sitting on a lofty throne. You may be struggling. There might be hardship. Oh my word, your brain may be going crazy. But listen, it's time to look up. Look up. His train is filling the temple because he's still on the throne, man. It may be pain on the outside, but in the inside, there's still peace that surpasses understanding. That's what, that's the big deal about being a born again Christian, y'all. That's a big deal. Foundation of my life, still sound. I may feel an earthquake, but my foundation will never crack. There may be a huge windstorm, but you know, the theme for the last two weeks for me is in my storms, Jesus walks on them. He walks on the water. Jesus walks, listen to me, Jesus walks on storms. Storms for him is nothing more than just another step on another wave. When the disciples thought everything was falling apart, they actually thought they were going to die. Jesus walking on the water and he said, listen, 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 listen. Fear not. For I am here. I am here. (laughs) Do you know Can I take you to the book of Psalms just for a moment? The book of Psalms, chapter 97. The book of Psalms, go ahead, don't go there. The book of Psalms, chapter 97. We're talking about the opulence, the beauty, the splendor of God who sits on the throne. In spite of our hardships, when you pray, we look up. And when we look up, we ought to see something. Check this out. The psalmist writes it this way. Psalms chapter, verse, chapter 97 verse 3. Fire spreads ahead of him. Talking about Yahweh. Fire spreads ahead of him and burns up all his foes. His lightning flashes out across the world. The earth sees and trembles. Remember this is poetry. This is poetry, but it gives us a beautiful idea of what we're talking about. Lightning, his lightning flashes down across the world. The earth sees and trembles. Look at one of my favorite ones. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. I don't know about your God, but my God melts mountains. (laughs) He melts mountains. All he needs to do is just show up. Mountains melt. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Look, look, look at verse 6. The heavens proclaim his righteousness. Every nation sees his glory. Now, this is prophetical. Those who worship idols are disgraced. In other words, I don't know what your idol is, and everyone has one. When we worship idols, we are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods for every God must bow before him. 
Everything that we value that's more important than God is an idol. And even that idol will bow before God. Why? Because our God is opulent and he sits on a lofty throne. Every authority, every name, every position, every power will bow before God and proclaim him as the great I am. Can you say that with me? God is the great I am. Come on, say it. You got to say it one more time. God is the great I am. Hallelujah. The Lord of heaven and earth. The psalmist continues to say in verse 9, this one you have to, you have to underline chapter 97 verse 9. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all God's little g. You are exalted above, far, about all, above all other gods. Far above all other gods. You need to underline that. In fact, you should make that a prayer this week. That's what I'm going to do. I put this in my notes. My prayer this week is going to be this. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You are the one who sits on the lofty throne, full of power, might, majesty, and splendor. I will worship you now and forevermore. Amen, Lord, man. Amen. In fact, I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. We're going to pray this together. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You are the one who sits on the lofty throne, full of power, might, majesty, and splendor. I will worship you now and forevermore. Amen and amen. When you pray, we pray up. Number two, when we pray, we see who we really are. When we pray, we see who we really are. Look at this. There's, look at their voice. Their voices shook the temple. The voices of the seraphim who were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Their praises, their, their accolades towards one another, talking about God. The Bible says that the, 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 the voices shook the temple uh, uh, to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. That's when something happened to Isaiah. In seeing the period and the power and the glory and splendor of God, he saw his depravity and his grossness and his, and his wretchedness. When he said, it's over, I am doomed. And at that point, he understood, I have, cannot, I do not qualify to be in the presence of one that is so holy and so magnificent. I am so wretched. Now, this is what, this, this, this what freaked me out. Isaiah was a man of God. Isaiah was a prophet. This guy had a relationship with God like no other. 
even before this experience, listen to me, please. This guy talked to people about God all the time. He, he, he had it good with, with the king Uzziah. He was a prophet for Uzziah. He spoke to Uzziah on behalf of God. And yet when he got into the presence of God, the, the, the prophet of God said, I am a sinful man with filthy lips. What he's saying is what I say represents what's in my heart. My words are bad because my heart is bad. What's your language like? See, what we say reflects what we believe in our hearts. The way we talk reflects what we believe in our hearts. That's what I feel. Yeah, but is your feeling right? Isaiah said, I am a man with filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. In other words, I even, the people I hang out with are filthy because our hearts are wrong. You know, I believe that many of us, and I'm included, many of us want to get close to God. I know you do. I know that you do. I know that you do. I know that you, I'm not even going to ask you, how many of you want to get to close? I know we're all going to go, we're going to do this. But as I thought about that, as I'm looking at Isaiah, do you really, really want to get close to God? (laughs) Because you know what's going to happen if you get close to God? You're going to see the reality of your spiritual condition. You don't have to say amen. That's okay. I can hear you. Do you really want to get close to God? Because if you want to get close to God, then you must be willing to change. Amen, Pastor Danny. God bless you. That's a good word. You must be willing to pick up your your cross and put it on there a little tighter, a little closer. Because getting closer and closer and closer to God means that we're getting closer to the fire, the passion, and the zeal of God. I want that because I want, I want to know that, man, if I'm wrong, I need to get right. And watch this, watch this. Because if you, you know you're wrong, there's only one answer. There's only one answer to our depravity. There's only one way to our holiness. Look at this. I, I love it. The, the, the angel, one of the seraphims, flew to Isaiah while he was recognizing his depravity and his nastiness. The, 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 the seraphim took a coal from the altar and flew all the way to Isaiah and touched his lips and said, see, he said, see, I love this. Your sins are forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been made right. Now, while I'm watching this whole story, one of the most beautiful, beautiful images is this. God is sitting on the throne. He is in the, the temple of holiness and splendor, and righteousness, and glory. No one can approach God and live. It's impossible for us to approach God in our present condition and live. 
However, Isaiah did not die in God's presence. Why? Because there was an altar there. Nowhere in the description when Isaiah was was seeing God did he see the altar. But there was an altar there. Now what was so beautiful is that while Isaiah was crying out and recognizing his wretchedness and his depravity, God said, hey you, Mr. Seraphim, grab a coal from the altar. There's only one reason for an altar. One reason, sacrifice. And there's only one reason for a sacrifice. The atonement for the forgiveness of sins. There was an altar before his throne, which means that by God's grace, by God's mercy, God supplied an altar and he supplied a, a, a sacrifice so there can be the shedding of blood, so there can be the remission of sins, so that we can now have peace with God. God set up the whole thing. Woohoo! You know what God is saying? I want you to come to me. I want you to worship me. I want you to know me. So I will supply an altar and I will supply the sacrifice and I will supply the fire. All you got to do is confess your sins. Oh, man. God did everything. God did everything for our peace. God did everything for our sanctification. God did everything for the remission of our sin. God did everything to redeem us. God did everything to clothe us with his righteousness. All we have to do is say this. Oh, I am a sinful man. Forgive me. God. Boom. It's done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took all of our sin, all of our shame. We had nothing to do with Jesus' sacrifice. In fact, many of the people didn't even know what was happening except for a very few. Jesus chose He said, not my will, God, but yours be done. Jesus chose to take your sin, your guilt, and your shame. He chose to put, take on our depravity, our wretchedness. And then he died on a cross, was stabbed on the side, shed blood and water. And he looked up, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Oh God, why did you forsake me? And then boom, it is finished. I've done the work. Three days later, he rose again from the dead so that we too can be resurrected. We had nothing to do with Jesus' resurrection, but yet we get to enjoy all the benefits of the resurrection. We enjoy all the benefits of the resurrection, all the benefits of being born again, all the benefits of walking with Jesus, all the benefits of having the Holy Spirit, all the benefits of being sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. All we got to do is one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. You want to know what that one thing is? Be honest about your humanity. Stop thinking you're all that. I'm not that bad. Oh, yes, you are. I've been going to church. Well, you know what? Sometimes the devil goes to church too. Well, I read my Bible. Satan can quote the Bible. Your works have nothing to do with your salvation. It's your confession. 
based upon your conviction of your depravity. Well, I'm not that bad. You need to stop saying that. You need to stop thinking that. Because if you weren't not that bad, then Jesus didn't have to die. First John chapter, one of my favorite scriptures, First John chapter 9, chapter 1, verse 9. Here's the process. Listen to me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make God to be a liar and his word is not in us. Verse chapter two, I was gonna stop there, but I said, no, no, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. Watch this, Tina. My little children, that was a term of endearment from John the apostle. He was older now. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. You know what sin he's talking about? The sin of unbelief. He's not talking about actions. He's talking about unbelief. Just like that guy who had the demon-possessed son. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. The word advocate means support, a standby, an intercessor. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Are you a sinner? Come on. Are you a sinner? I have good news for you. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. Had it not been for Jesus, my life would be a wreck. Had it not been for Jesus, I keep on thinking every now and then about what I, what I would have been had Jesus not interceded for me when I was 13. I was destined to be a gangbanger, a vicious one. I was in line to be an alcoholic, just like my, my family. I was on the trajectory to go to jail, be imprisoned. See, because the sins of the father escalate throughout the generations. They only get more and more and more. They grow. I was on the trajectory to be a womanizer, an adulterer, fornicator. I was on the trajectory to be a dropout. A guy who lived on the streets. Drug addict. That was, would have been my life. But God, but God, someone say, but God, but God met me in that, you know, that interchange, that cross, oh, 
And I heard the message of salvation. And saw my depravity. I said, here I am, Lord, here am I. Take me. Your story's the same. Your story's no different than mine. Which leads us to our third point. When we pray and we're in that position of brokenness and redemption, we can hear God. We can hear God's heart for the lost. Isaiah, I don't know where he was around the altar. You know, he was somewhere around the altar. He was somewhere close to the throne, right? He's probably worshiping the Lord now. He's been set free. He's redeemed. He's sanctified. He's purified. He's all those fancy church words, right? He's good with God. He's wallowing in the joy and he's just worshiping. And all of a sudden the Bible says, then I heard the Lord asking. I love those words. Then I heard, I heard. I cried out and then I heard. I heard. See, when you get close enough to God, you can hear him when he speaks. Just get close enough to God, you can hear him when he speaks. Isaiah said, I heard the Lord asking. He, God was asking, whom should, whom should I send? Not whom can I, but who should who should I send as a messenger to this people? Who? Well, those are the, 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 the those that God chose. God, those people that God chose. Listen to me. In the New Testament, Jesus says, listen, uh, you didn't choose me. I chose you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves people. God loves people. God loves you. He loves you. Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who, listen to the cry of God's heart, who will go for Elohim, us? Who will go for us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Who will go for us? Oh, I, I, I can't imagine Isaiah. Isaiah was probably tripping. He's like, oh, oh, oh. He probably jumped up and goes, here I am. <laughs> I love that. Here I am. Here I am. Send me, God. Send me, God. Here I am. Send me. Send me, God. Send me. Don't send the seraph seraphims. Send me, God. Don't send the cherubims. Don't God. Send me, God. Send me. Can I tell you what happened to me last week? Somewhere on Monday or Tuesday of last week. I'm reading. I haven't even started working on this message yet. I'm just reading. I'm thinking. I'm praying. I'm writing. And I think I was sitting on the dining room table and I was just reading and thinking. Just out of the blue. Just. I heard these three words. Are you willing The sound was different than my thoughts. I, I can tell the difference between, you know, my, the voice and my, my conscience. I'm just sitting there just thinking and all of a sudden, are you willing? 
I stopped and I looked around and I knew. I knew that was the Lord. I got up and I got, I, I got to my, my, my laptop and opened up a new sheet and I, and I typed down, are you willing? And then I stood there for a, while, for a little while and I'm, and I'm waiting for more. And I'm willing, what, what, what? Now I'm trying to force my thoughts because I want more. See, the voice, the voice was, it was so simple. It was faint but clear. Are you willing? So I just wrote it down and I put dot, 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 dot. And I left it alone. I started working on a message Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning, without even realizing. Actually, I forgot about these three words. And I noticed I had a clean sheet up, and so I just started working without realizing that I had these three words toward the middle of the page. And then I got to point three. While I'm writing point three, I did, I, as I scrolled a little far down, I saw the three words, are you willing? And I was like, I get it. I get it. After Isaiah, I got all excited while I'm, I'm working on the message and I'm getting to the end and I saw the words, are you willing? I'm like, oh, oh. Danny, are you willing? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to be a messenger? I said, yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. I want to ask you, I'm not, not going to ask you if you love Jesus. I know you're going to say, yeah. I'm not going to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I know you're going to say, yeah. Isaiah did. But God took it up a notch. Now that I've saved you, now that I've redeemed you, now that I've saved, uh, I've sanctified you, I've set you apart, I've infilled you, I've gifted you, I wrote your name in my book. I got a plan for your life. I've prospered you. Now, are you willing? <clears throat> are you willing to be a messenger? A messenger. The word messenger in the Greek is the word angel. You know whether it's the word seraphim in Hebrew is defined fiery ones. When we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's where the word passion, fire, passion comes from. We become passionate messengers of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to tell people, look at these things that God wants us 
tell them, said, when Jesus said, yes, go, tell these people, tell them that I love them so much. God loves you so much, so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Tell my people, God is saying, listen, here's the message. Tell my people that their sin is hurting them. Their sin is hurting them. Sin hurts you and it hurts God. For the wages of sin is death. That's the word of God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Tell my people that I took their punishment in exchange for my righteousness so that they can have peace with God. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's an exchange. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Here's a message from God for you. Tell them to believe in me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be, shall be, shall be, shall be saved. Saved from what? We'll be saved from the incoming punishment from God because his punishment is coming to the earth. It's called the wrath of God. That's what we're saved from but we're saved unto heaven. So what's your choice? Is there sin in your life? We're going to pray for that first. And then the next thing I want to talk about, the prayer, the uncommon prayer of going. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me.